This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We're in week two of our Welcome to the Family series. And for those of you who were here last week, you heard Pastor Rich bring a word. It was awesome. I, uh, I listened on the podcast. It was incredible. And I did notice that at the beginning of service, he, uh, he mentioned our, our sort of branding package and how two and the share the tea because of the WTF idea. And um, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you're like, you guys are idiots. Those of you who don't, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But... We had this conversation, and that was our compromise to incorporate WTF in Welcome to the Family. And um, typically, you would think, okay, in the way that these conversations go, uh, some staff members, you know, maybe like the youth pastor or something, would throw out this crazy idea, and then the pastor would be like, no, not happening. That's inappropriate. But this was actually the exact opposite, you know? I was like, guys, let's do that. They're like, nah, Sam, that's a little much. So this is our compromise. Welcome to the Family. Hope you like the graphic. Hope you're excited about this series. Basically, what we're doing is we're going through the four pillars that are sort of uh, the pillars of our mission and our vision, of kind of who we are, what we do, and how we do it. And so these are actually outlined on that banner back there in the back of the room, Respond, Relate, Redefine, Remake. And if you've taken CC 101, uh, which is our like three-week crash course on who we are and where you fit and how this all kind of works together, we cover uh, the four pillars of our, of our uh, mission, the, the Respond, Relate, Redefine, and Remake. And so we thought leading up to Easter would be kind of cool to cover each one of these sort of big ideas on a Sunday morning and kind of break them down and talk about them. And so last week, Rich launched our series with Respond. 
and he talked about respond, which is worship, responding to God. And he, he threw out this idea that it's a lifestyle of worship. It's not that you come to a building and you sing songs and then that's your worship, but it's a response to God in all things at all times in everything that you do. And so he cited Matthew 22, 37 and Romans 12, 1 last week and sort of painted this picture that when we see Jesus, it changes us, right? When we encounter God, it changes us. And that there's an appropriate response to encountering God. There's an automatic response, if you will, to encountering God. It changes everything. And so he talks about how our appropriate response to engaging God is to living a life in response to God, living a life of worship. And so this week goes sort of hand in hand with last week. Relate, if you look on there, is ministry and evangelism. Basically, relate is short for relationship, okay, and, and dealing with people. Because life in response to God, like Rich talked about last week, that radically changes the way that we interact with others as well. It changes the way we interact with God, but it really impacts and changes practically the way we interact with others. See, the way that a Christ follower views and approaches and um, sort of engages with humanity, the way that the Christ follower interacts with humanity should reflect Jesus. Asterisk by should, caps locks, should reflect Jesus, right? The way that a Christ followers interact, or the way that a Christ follower interacts with humanity should reflect Jesus. Now, I grew up in church my whole life. Did anyone else in here grow up in church their whole life? Let me see just a show of hands. Okay, beware of those people. You see them? <laughs> beware of them. <laughs> Don't invite them to lunch. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I grew up in church my whole life, as, as, as obviously many of, of you did. And um, maybe your church experience wasn't the same as my church experience, but I know in my church experience, we grew up um, and we spent some time uh, talking about what we're for. We spent some time talking about what we're excited about. We spent some time talking about things that we support, right? We talked about God, and we talked about Jesus, and we talked about an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, in the circles that I grew up in, they call it the Holy Ghost, but that just kind of creeps me out a little bit because I think of like Casper with a halo flying around, like, or I think of like Halloween time, but it's like a holy one and super scary, but holy ghost, I don't know, freaky. So I call it the Holy Spirit, but we call it the Holy Ghost. Do you see the PTSD coming out in me as a child? I'm talking about, you need a touch from the Holy Ghost. I'm like, I don't want to touch by any ghost. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I'm telling you, it's coming out, man. It's, it's scary. Um, but, you know, we did, in the churches I grew up in, we, uh, uh, we went on like missions trips, right? And, and it was awesome. We went to conferences. We went to youth conferences. We did service projects. We had worship services that, you know, people called the Holy Ghost Throwdown, man. It was, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, if you can't tell. And uh, so we, we did all these things, and, 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 and it was cool, and it was great. But if I'm being honest, and if I'm looking back, not through rose-colored glasses, but I'm really kind of looking at the breadth of me growing up in church and many different churches and all this stuff, I feel like... A majority of our energy wasn't spent on what we're for, but more what we were against. You know? Like, I feel like a lot of our energy was spent on the things that we're not in support of, and some things that we need to avoid, things that are going to tear you down, things that are going to destroy your life, rather than saying, hey, man, like, you should follow Jesus because it's radically going to impact and change your life for the better. We're like, hey, 
We try to like literally scare the hell out of people, like in the most actual sense of that phrase, right? And so that was sort of the way that I was raised. It was like, you know, don't do drugs, don't have sex, don't lust. Okay, I agree with all of those sentiments, right? Don't do drugs, don't, those are okay things. But it was kind of a perspective behind it. It was, you know, don't hang out with the wrong people. You can't wear that to church. You can't, uh, don't watch R-rated movies. Don't listen to secular music. Guys, when I was in youth group, I kid you not, we went down to the Brownsville Revivals. How many of you guys remember those? Down in Florida? Yes? No? Okay. Now, those are the people you really got to avoid, the ones that just raised their hands, okay? <laughs> we went down to the Brownsville Revivals, came back, we were like on fire for God. That statement in and of itself always scared the crap out of me, right? I do not want to be on fire for God. I don't want to be on fire for anything, okay? Some of you guys are like, I need to go to the bathroom, pretend like I'm going to the bathroom and leave this place right away. Lightning bolts are coming. They're not coming, I promise. Um, but I remember coming back from that, and we had like this, this bonfire after youth group where we burned all of our secular CDs. We're like, oh, no, we're not a cult. We just burn things in fires and chant around the fire. It's cool. It's like, what? It was crazy. But I was right there doing it. I'm like, got my CD book. I'm like shaking it out, CDs and... <laughs> Demons are screaming from the fire, from the secular music. <laughs> but the church spent so much energy on those things, man. So much things on, hey, don't be too worldly. Don't be too secular. You know, don't wear that in church. Don't run in church. Unless you get touched by the Holy Ghost, then you can run in church. They applauded that. They're like, oh, run the aisles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But if you run in before or after church, you got to whip him when you got home. Okay? Like, that ain't happening. Don't dare set foot on that holy platform. Right? Do you know, do you, do you know what I'm saying? And so I feel like it, maybe it was just me. I'm suffering from PTSD, but maybe you're not. Maybe your church experience was wonderful. Cool. That means you're an anomaly. Enjoy that. Embrace that. You're blessed and highly favored. But many of you, <laughs> this two-service thing, man, is going to get me in trouble. Because I'm elaborating way more now than I did earlier. And I got some points coming that I need to be easy on. So I got to chill out. <laughs> but many of you may have had a, a very similar experience to this, that, that, that Christianity was known more for what it's against than what it's for. And if you've ever had a conversation with someone who is not a Christ follower, someone who is not connected to church, someone who is, you know, disenfranchised with the church, never been to church, any of those sort of things, these are some of the things you're going to hear. You're going to hear, why would I want to be part of that group when they're anti this, when they're against that, when they hate these people, when they discriminate against those people, when they push away that people, when they're inclusive, if they look like you, think like you, vote like you, dress like you, you can come hang out with them. But if you don't, you're not accepted. And if you're not having those conversations with people, I would encourage you to up your evangelism tactics because those are the conversations that are happening, okay? And so when we hear these things, we say, well, wait a second. That's not God's design. God, God doesn't want that for his people. God doesn't want that for his church. That's not the way Jesus had this whole thing in mind. It's like, yeah, I'm going to come, I'm going to live an example, and then they can totally forget about the example and hate everybody and be anti-everything, and it'll be great. But for some reason, the American church, we've kind of found ourselves in that way. And so this morning, what I want to talk about, this relate idea, this relationship Idea. It's one of the pillars of how we do church here, but it's sort of a guiding principle to how we do life. And so I'm excited to talk about this content because I think it can be revolutionary to some of us. I think it can change our perspective and, and make us look more like Jesus to the world around us. So let's pray together, and then we'll unpack uh, a passage in Matthew and see what some people have to say about it. It's going to be good, okay? So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word for your truth, 
for your Holy Spirit. I thank you so much for your church where we can come together, we can have fun, we can laugh, we can joke around, but we can also worship, we can engage with the God of the universe, we can hang out with one another and be encouraged and edified. God, I pray this morning as we set aside this time to encounter you. I pray that you'd soften our hearts and that you'd open our minds. God, I pray that you would make us receptive to your truth. Lord, remove me from the equation, but use me as a mouthpiece for what you have for us today. God, we know that you're doing something here today. Please let us be a part of it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, You can pull it up on your tablet, your phone, the Bible app, whatever. Or it'll be on the screen, okay? So we got you covered. But starting in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, Matt, uh, not Matt, Rich uh, quoted Matthew 22, uh, verse 37 last week for his kind of passage. I'm going to read a little bit before that, a little bit after that to kind of contextualize it, and then we're going to hit the ground running, okay? So Matthew chapter 22, verse, starting in verse 34, it says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now the Sadducees, <laughs> in kids' church, used to sing a song, they're so sad, you see, right? You guys remember that? Yeah, Sadducees, they were like these religious elite people that were like uh, kind of Bible snobs, right, if, if, it were, if we were to contextualize it now. They were like the pastors and the priests and the jerks who would like hold the, hold the law and the Torah and all these things over the people's heads and manipulate them and all this stuff. And they, they were they, these religious elite that were trying to trap Jesus all the time. They would come to him and try to corner him in and make him stumble over his words and mess up so he could be like, ha, you're not the Messiah, you're the worst, but Jesus like, gave mic drop moment after mic drop moment. So the Sadducees were silenced. And then you got the Pharisees who were not fair. You see? Huh? Huh? Kids church? Yeah? It's good stuff in kids church. Um, the Pharisees, they were another group of like religious elite. And so they get together. They're like experts in the law. And they study this stuff and try to find loopholes to trick Jesus and all this stuff. So they get Jesus and they ask him this. He says, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, talking to Jesus. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And I can imagine all the other Pharisees like, we got him there. This is going to be so good, right? Jesus comes back. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. No, with all your soul and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And this is what Rich talked about last week, living in response to God. Love God with all of you. In everything that you do, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays through Saturday as well. It's all worship. It's all in response to him. He says this, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're talking about this morning. Loving your neighbor as yourself. So last week, the principle that we shared essentially was love God, right? Love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The pillar, the way that that expresses itself in our faith community that we put on banners is respond. It's worship. It's the time that we spend singing and and opening God's word and all this stuff. That's our response to God, right? In church, that's the way it works. In life, Rich talked about last week, it's a response to God Monday through Saturday all across the board, right? Today, this week, the principle that we're sharing is to love people. 
The way that that expresses itself here in our faith community that we can put on banners is ministry and evangelism. This is coming and serving others. This is being part of the coffee bar or the welcome center or the greeters or the ushers or the parking team or the kids' church or Catalyst team. All these different teams, the sound and media team, they're all doing this to serve other people, to cultivate a place where people can see Jesus, right? That's the idea. And so the way that this breaks itself down in our church context is ministry and evangelism. But the way that this breaks it down in our personal lives, in our real life, is that we are to love as God loves. We are to love people the same way that God loves people. And it sounds really simple, and it sounds really basic, and it sounds really elementary, but we get it so screwed up. We get it so messed up so often to love God or love people just like God loves people. See, loving God and loving people, they go hand in hand. I believe that you can't love God and not love people. I believe that that is incompatible with one another. You can't love God and not love people. If you think you love God and you don't love people, you don't really love God. And that's a bold statement, but I'm going to talk about it here for a few minutes. That's a bold thing to say, but I believe that that's true. You can't love God and not love people because God is all about people. God loves people so much. How can you say you love him, but you don't love what he's all about? It's incompatible with one another. There's this book, it was written in 2004, um, which I'm coming to realize is really old. It's wild to me. 2004, man. Like, I remember what I was driving in 2000. I remember, the, I remember a lot about 2004. That's strange. Some of you guys are like, uh, buddy, I remember the year you were born when I was driving. It's like, okay, all right, chill out. No need to flex. Um, <laughs> Repenting of Religion is the name of the book. Turning from Judgment to the Love of God. It's by Gregory A. Boyd. And uh, this book is written in 2004. This book has rocked my world. And I told him in the first service, listen, if you are interested in a book rocking your world, read this book. If you're not interested in that, don't read this book. Okay, I got this book about four years ago. I, uh, I read through, I'm, I'm only five chapters deep because I'll read a chapter and then I'll chew on it for two months. Sit there and think, man, he said that, which means that, which would mean this, which ultimately means that? Whoa, I gotta think about that. You know what I mean? It's one of those, it's one of those kind of books, okay? And in this book, there's a quote um, that he talks about this idea of trying to separate our love for God and our love for people. And he says this, he says, it is important that we never separate our love for God from our love for others. For loving our neighbors as ourselves is one central way we love God. It is impossible to ascribe ultimate worth to God while refusing to ascribe worth to those whom God ascribes worth. Hence, scripture says that those who claim they love God but refuse to love their sister or brother are liars. Guys, that's huge. That's huge because so many of us are like, oh yeah, it's just me and God. I don't need all these people. These people are just a distraction. These people are just annoying. These people just, you know, they trip me up from being in my relationship with God. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're missing it. You're missing it. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. I feel like the church has done that for so long that it's full of just really super mean people who are anti-everything because they hate people. They love God. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll have a Holy Spirit throwdown. Holy Ghost throwdown. 
But I'm going to yell at you if you wear that to church. I'm going to yell at you if you run on the stage. I'm going to yell at you if you, I'm going to yell, yell, yell. Whoa, 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 whoa. These two are not compartmentalized from one another. They're one and the same. Loving God and loving people, that's, that's the same thing. And we need to recognize that. We need to wrap our heads around that because we are called to relate to people, to all people, the way that God relates to all people. Okay? We are called to love all people the way God loves all people. Can I, again, can I hit like the bold and the italicized and the underline and the caps locks when I say all people? We are called to love all people, all of them. All of them. Like all of them. That people group that you're thinking, yeah, every, yeah I know what you're saying, but I really know. No, no, no. No, those people too. All people. Are we, are we aware of that? Is the church aware of that? That we are called to love all people like God loves all people? We are called to receive his love and then reflect his love. We're all about receiving it. We're all like, yeah, yeah, God, oh, yeah, rain down, pour down your love on me. Yes, Lord, Lord, love me, yes. All my baggage, all my crap, all my junk, yes, my past, everything, forgive it, yes, Lord. Wait, you're going to forgive them? Oh, no, 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 no. You want me to forgive? No, 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 no. But they do this, this, that, and the other. Uh, you're going to, uh... we love to stand in judgment of others, but we're all about receiving it for ourselves. You notice what he says here? Love your neighbor as yourself. We're all about receiving the love, grace, and mercy from God. But we ain't about dealing it to others. Do you see the disconnect there? Do you see the problem? That's huge for us to wrap our heads around. Because as the body of Christ, listen, we should be distinguished. We should be defined by our radical love. That's how people should know us. That's how people should recognize us. That's how people should refer to us. That's how people should define us. That's how they should describe us. When we start to tell someone that we go to church, the first thought that should pop in their mind is, oh, you guys are those people that, we, that are kind of weird because you love people so much. You're those ones that are a little kooky because you love everybody to the nth degree that it's almost a little bit like, I love you, you love me, little big happy family, right? You got the Barney thing going on. Like You need to sh slow down your little love action here, right? That's how people should be responding to us. Not, oh, you're the ones that hate those people and are anti that group and, and against them and you boycott that company and you don't eat at that restaurant, but you shop at Hobby Lobby. Okay, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That shouldn't be the perception and the perspective of Christians. That shouldn't be the perception of, of who we are. We should be distinguished by our radical love rather than the body of Christ being known for anti-fill-in-the-blank or anti-this, or anti-that, or anti-whatever? What if we were radically known, what if we were known for radically loving all people the way that God radically loves all people? How much different would our world be? Think about it. How much different would our world be if the church was the leading voice in love? The church was the leading voice in acceptance. The church was the leading voice in those conversations. Think about that. Because I promise you, if Jesus was on this planet... He'd be the leading voice in those conversations. So why isn't the church? If we're Christ followers, Christians, many Christs, why is that not us? Why is that not our MO? How much different would our churches look if we actually loved all people like God loves all people? 
how much different would our work culture be if the people who followed Jesus actually loved all people like God loves all people? Imagine how different our families would be if we viewed the people in our family the way God views them. How much different would that interaction be? How much different would those relationships be? How different would our country look if we did this? Because here's the deal. That's God's design. That was Jesus' intent in Matthew when he says this. He says the second, he says, you know, he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. He says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning the second flows automatically from the first one. Yes, I said automagic. <laughs> Wasn't a typo. The second flows automatically from the first one. The second one is just like it. Just like you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Just like that, you need to do it this way too. Just like that, you do it just like that. Just like that? Yes. It's a ludicrous reference if you don't know. I reference that song way too much. When I move, you move. Just like that. Um, sorry. I apologize for that one. <laughs> the implication here is that the second one follows the first one. The implication here is that if you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, the implication is the second will follow. You love all people the way God loves all people. When we ascribe unsurpassable worth to God, when we ascribe unsurpassable worth to God and say, you are worth the absolute most to me. I love you more than anything. I serve you. I give you my life. I do all these things. I surrender to you. All, all the things we like to say, right? When we do that, we are affirming his worth then we, then, we, then we are to affirm his worth by ascribing unsurpassable worth to those whom he ascribes unsurpassable worth to. He ascribes unsurpassable worth to every single individual in the entire universe, entire planet, everyone, all of them. He ascribes unsurpassable worth to everyone. Even the people that voted for that person or this person. Yes, even those people. Even the people that are like the direct opposite of me. Yes, those people. He ascribes unsurpassable worth to everyone. Everyone. And we're called to do the same thing. We're called to do the same thing. We're called to love all people like God loves all people. Basically, we love those who God loves the same way that God loves them. That's what we're called to do. We love the people that God loves, which is everybody, the same way that God loves them. And we see it all over Scripture all throughout scripture that he ascribes, he ascribes unsurpassable worth to every single individual. There's another quote I want to read you guys um, from this book that's just, it's, it's, it's a game changer. And I've shared it from my social media. I've actually preached about it here before a few years ago when I first read it and it was like blowing my mind. But it says this, Christians sometimes try to assess how they or others are doing on the basis of such things as how successfully they conquer a particular sin, how much prayer and Bible study they do, how regularly they attend and give to church, and so forth. We try to measure our Christianity by the things of how much did you read your Bible? How much did you pray? How much have you gone to church? How much money did you give to church? What serve teams are you on? What community groups are you from? Uh, you know, did you spend some time in your prayer closet being a prayer warrior and all this stuff, okay? We try to measure ourselves in all these different things, right? And he says, but rarely do we honestly ask the question that Scripture places at the center of everything. Are we growing in our capacity to love all people. 
Do we measure ourselves in that? Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Do we have an increasing love for our sisters and brothers in Christ as well as for those whom Christ died who are yet outside the church? Are we increasing in our capacity to ascribe unsurpassable worth to people whom society judges have no worth? Is that us? Is that what we're doing? Are we growing in our ability and propensity and capacity to love all people? Because here's the deal, guys. God is love. The closer you get to God, the closer to love you're going to become. The closer to love you're going to look. Your capacity for love is going to expand. And if that's not happening, I would suggest that you're probably, your trajectory might be a little off and you might not be getting closer to God. I know it's bold, but I feel like this book right here backs it up. That's the Bible, in case you've never seen one. It's the Bible right here. Okay. If you want one and you don't have one, I'll buy you one. Let me know. But if our capacity is not growing in us to love all people consistently, that's the mark and that's the sign of a mature Christian. Not how much time you spend on your knees in your closet by yourself praying to God. How are you doing in your growth how are you doing in your capacity to love all people like God loves all people? That's the mark of a mature Christian. That's the mark of a mature church. Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Because God loves everyone. Christ died for everyone. The Holy Spirit desires relationship with everyone. Now here's the crux of the issue. Can the same be said about us? We can say it about God, and it's true. Can the same thing be said about us? Do we love people like God loves people? Do we desire a relationship with people like God desires a relationship with people? Will we sacrifice for people like God sacrifices for people? Will we serve people like Jesus served people? Think about it. We might have to get a little real with ourselves. might have to do a little deconstruction inside of here and kind of mess some things up for a little bit. But when you come out on the other side and you're, you look more like Jesus, it's worth it. Because that's the goal. That's the point. That's, that's, that's the whole idea. And so welcome to the family. You know, we're, we're hitting these main pillars. And, and last week, you know, the first two go hand in hand. Love God, love people. It's almost like one message, but it's too much content to fit into one Sunday. So it's kind of like love God, love people. Respond, relate. Those are the two legs of our mission. The, the next week we're going to talk about redefine. We're going to talk about baptisms and community and cultivating a culture and a community among your faith community. So you're not doing life alone. You're not following Jesus alone because you're not created and not designed to do that. And then the, th the fourth week is, is remake. We talk about discipleship and what that looks like. What discipleship looks like. How, okay, yeah, you love all people, but what does that refining process look like? How do you become more like Jesus? Right? It doesn't, it's not just like, okay, I said a prayer, now I'm like Jesus. Like, that's not the way it works, right? There's discipleship, there's a process, there's a journey. What does that look like here at Central? What should that look like in your own personal life? So we're gonna hit all of those things, but this morning, maybe you need to evaluate your propensity to love all people. Maybe you need to take a second. We're gonna carve out some time. The band's gonna come and play another song. And we're gonna carve out just a little bit of time for you to do business with God, for you to ask yourself that question. Do I love all people like God loves all people? What is my propensity to love all people? How, how am I doing in ascribing unsurpassable worth to everyone? No matter what country they were born in. 
no matter what their religious affiliation was or is or can be, no matter if they look like you or if they think like you or if they dress like you or if they talk like you, if they believe like you, if they love like you, whatever, are you loving them like God loves them? Are you loving them like God loves them? Are you showing them the same love, the same worth that God shows them? We talk about this all the time with AWOL and they're dealing with sex trafficking. It's called all worthy of love because that's the whole idea. That the, the people that are caught up in sex trafficking through prostitution, the pimps, the drug dealers, the drug addicts, all of them are worthy of love. God loves them so much. Do we? Or do we judge them? We gotta be real with ourselves. If we wanna get better, if we wanna look more like Christ, these are the kind of conversations we gotta have with each other and with ourselves. And so as you take this time and kind of ask yourself that question, what's my propensity to love all people like God loves all people? And if you're having a tension inside, if you feel a tension going on right now and a little bit of pushback, a little bit of like, yeah, okay, I get it, but I see your point, but I'm going to definitely talk to that weird guy after church up by the altar and really give him the what twos and what fours of what God really thinks about people. If that's the conversation, the internal dialogue and struggle you're having right now, I want you to ask yourself this, this, this next question. What's holding you back from loving people like God loves people? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's giving you that tension? What is it? Oh, son, that's the voice of the Holy Ghost. No, it's not. Okay? No, it's not. You need to ask yourself, really, what is it that's causing that tension inside of you? Is it politics? Are you allowing politics to determine who you give unsurpassable worth to? Really? Is it the talking heads on TV? Are they the ones that are defining who you're giving unsurpassable worth to? Is it your friends and the people you're hanging out with? Oh man, you can't like those people. They're, they're those people. Right? Is it your friends? Is it the culture that you're in? Is it fear? No, I can't do that because if I start loving them, then that means this, that, and the other, and that just, that's a breakdown of everything that I believe my whole life. That's my whole paradigm. Is it your family? Maybe the family you were raised in. Oh, we've always believed this way. We've always voted this way. We've always done things this way, and so that's just the way we do it. Really, what is stopping you from loving people like God loves people? Is it religion? Did your pastor tell you a certain thing or the other growing up? And you've held tight to it? The faith tradition you're in is all about hating people but loving God? Guys, the Bible is more than clear, more than explicit, all throughout Scripture, that we are called to love people like God loves people. That's, that's, that's our purpose. That's our calling. That's who we are. That's what we're designed. That's what we're created for. We're created to receive His love and to reflect His love, to receive His love and reflect His love. Not receive His love jumble it up, shake it up, flip it around, put it upside down, and then give it to some people, right? It's not like God puts in all the ingredients, we shake it up and put out a martini, right? That's not the way it works, okay? We're just a conduit. We receive his love, we receive his grace, we receive his mercy, we receive his acceptance, and then we reflect that to others as well. All others without discrimination. Hello, do you hear me? It's nothing radical. It's nothing revolutionary or brand new. It's been in here the whole time. I'm not making this stuff up. And if you want to question it and challenge it, yo, like I said, if you don't have one, I'll buy you one. You, 
can check it out for yourself. It's all over the place. What's holding you back from loving all people like God loves all people? Because here's the deal. I said this first service. He says it in this book as well. Um, you know, we are to love like the sun shines. And we are to love like the rain falls indiscriminately. The sun shines on everybody. Doesn't matter your race, your religion, your creed, nothing. That doesn't matter. The sun shines on everybody equally, right? The rain falls on everybody equally. The rain is not a discriminator of persons of who it rains on. The body of Christ should be the same way. We love indiscriminately. We love everybody. Doesn't matter anything. We love you. You know why we love you? Because we love God and God loves you. God sent his son to die for you no matter who you are, no matter how you voted, no matter what you believe, no matter what country you were born in, none of that. None of that matters. God loves you just as much as he loves me. You guys hear that this morning? And so what I want to do is I want to give you guys an opportunity to do business with God. Some of you might pray the whole time that I just get struck by lightning, but okay too. But for the rest of us, I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God. I want to give you the opportunity to say, God, am I loving people like you love people? Do I view people like you view people? Do I care for people like you care for people? Because that's the goal. That's the idea. And if I'm not, what's stopping me? What's holding me up? Lord, please send your Holy Spirit to illuminate that in me. Illuminate that in me. But that's going to require you being honest with yourself. It's going to require you being introspective, not thinking about the people around you, not thinking about this, that, and the other, but really focusing and saying, God, what are you trying to do in me today? What are you trying to do through me today? What are you trying to do around me today? Because I believe God wants to do something. We just got to get out of the way. God wants to work in your heart. God wants to work in your life. God wants to change your perspective. He wants to change your heart. He wants you to love like he loves. So we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on 